Advertising your business with GCN is simple, effective, and more affordable than you might think. Visit advertise.gcnlive.com for more info. Take your business to the next level. This is Stadium to Boardroom. Listen in as top athletes tell their stories on how they developed into successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. They reveal their own aha moment of transformation from the stadium to the boardroom. Hello, America. I'm Robert Grease, and I am with my all-star co-host, Len Green. How you doing, Robert? And welcome to Stadium to Boardroom. This is the only show in America where we speak with athletes who transferred their success into business and enterprise. We're here today with Graham Weaver. How are you, Graham? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. And we're excited to have you because Graham will talk about his athletics, but right now he is founder and CEO of Alpine Investors. And, you know, this is we love interviewing great company CEOs, and you have turned this into a truly great company. Talk about what's unique about Alpine Investors. So I, uh, I've been in private equity 29 years and running Alpine for 23 of those. And um, we around we, we, we started off really slow, and I was, I was 28 when I started the firm. So it took me a while to kind of get my footing and learn. The, really learn the business and 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 learn how to how to be good at this business. But um, you know, I'd, I'd I'd say you know around the time of the Great Recession, we had to reevaluate a lot of things and really kind of took our business down to the studs, so to speak. I hired an executive coach and really started thinking of myself as a CEO of a business as opposed to someone who just ran around doing deals, which I think is the identity that a lot of people in my business have: private equity. You know, uh, they're first and foremost, you know, deal people as opposed to executives, and I, I really made that um, that I did shift in my identity uh, and started thinking of myself as running a real business and myself as a CEO, and that that was really the turning point. Um, and then from that, a lot of really important changes happened, but a big one was we we realized I, I realized at some point in that process. And we can talk more about it that, you know, really the most important thing that we do is, is, is hire great talent. And so I really started focusing my energy and my priorities and our firm's energy and firm's priorities on hiring the best people at our firm and then at our portfolio companies. And that was really the beginning of what has turned out to be a, a turning point and, and, and we sort of took off from there. And, and Graham, okay. So now you, you, moved ahead to the point where a great team instead of just a great individual, which is a something that's that a lot of CEOs never reach. Okay. But but then you also wrestled and, and you won the rowing team. What did you learn from those experiences? Yeah, I, I grew up in a blue collar town. It was a suburb of Toledo, Ohio, which is, you know, a rust a rust belt town, um, supplying automotive uh, parts mostly to, to Detroit. And wrestling was a was a big sport there. You know, a lot of that, that Midwest quarter, Pennsylvania, Iowa, Ohio, those are Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Iowa, how big, big wrestling, uh, um, states and, you know, wrestling's hard. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's a very hard sport. You're basically on the mat with someone who, you know, you want to, you're in combat, you know? And, um, I was, I was pretty decent at it. And I, and I, uh, I, I, I learned a lot in terms of just the intensity and the discipline, but really the thing I learned the most was um, I, 
I failed, you know, and my, um, my junior year, I was the number one ranked wrestler in our, in our, uh, league. And I was facing off against the, the number two wrestler and I lost and it was a, a close match. It was the last second kind of contested call out of bounds. <laughs> um, and, and I quit and I like, I was so upset. I, I never wrestled again. And, and that like haunted me. I, I just was like, uh, for the next, for the rest of that year and the following year, I just, I just, I just realized like that wasn't the identity I wanted to have as someone who quits when it's hard. And, um, and that, that, that turned out to be like the big, probably one of the biggest turning points for me because then I went to college and I rode crew and I don't know if you want me to dive into that or not, Len, um, or, or yeah. you just wanted to stick with wrestling. I want to, I want to ask you a question about that. So, uh, yeah. In crew, you were actually, you know, cut both freshman and sophomore year, right? But then yeah. you stuck with it. So you, it sounds like you learned the lesson from wrestling. You became captain. Yeah, yeah. So what happened is um, I showed up the first day and like 70 other young uh, freshmen, boys, I, I went to Princeton, um, went out for the, the, the rowing team, you know, and we're all filling this room and everyone, you know, you, you were like, you could walk on and not surprisingly, I wasn't very good. I didn't, I had never been in a boat before. <laughs> I didn't even know that they went backwards, you know? So, uh, I, I, I was, um, I wasn't very good. And they, the coach, after some period of time, the coach would post the two boats that we had on the freshman team. I wasn't in one of those boats. So the coach said, okay, you're going to be a land. Anyone who's not in those boats, which by the way, was almost everybody. There's only 16 guys in those two boats. He said, okay, you're a land warrior, which means you're going to train on land which meant uh, the concept to a rowing machine. That's what that meant. So the next morning after the cuts, I did all the math and the women's team had their cuts and the heavyweight team had their cuts. I rode lightweight. So I'm thinking, okay, there's probably like 60 people who are going to be land warriors. And the first class starts at 9 a.m. And I did like all this mental math about how many people would want the ergs and, and the rowing machine. So I, I convinced myself I needed to be in the boathouse at 5.30 a.m. to make sure I got an, a rowing machine. Well, it turned out, Everyone got the joke that when they say you're a land warrior, that means you're cut. You know, it doesn't mean there's this big train. So no one showed up of those 60 people. I was the only one. I didn't need to show up at 530 to get the rowing machine. I mean, I could, I didn't have to show up at all. Like no one. And, and so I started rowing on the rowing machine and I did that pretty much every morning for my freshman year before class and sometimes in the afternoon. And as you would expect, my time started to get better and better and better. And, you know, so by my sophomore year, I had a really good time, but I still was a horrible rower. I didn't make a boat that year. And by my junior year, I had one of the top times in the nation. Uh, And I I didn't make the first boat. I made the second boat that year. And then I was elected captain my senior year. By this point, I had the number one, for a short period of time, I had the number one erg time on the Concept 2 rowing machine for 2,000 meters in, in the country. And then I was elected captain and and we won nationals. But the part that tracks back to wrestling was every single day that I woke up that day, I wrote at the, I had this like green uh, notebook, like a spiral notebook. And I wrote, I am, you know, the best rower in the U S and I am never going to quit. Like I am never going to quit. I wrote that every single day in my journal. And had I not had the experience in wrestling and quitting and realizing how much I um, regretted that, I think I would have, I would have quit. I mean, there were 35 times I would have quit. Uh, but, um, obviously the story had a really happy ending. 
And of course, that must then translate into the real business world because not every deal you're going to do is going to work. And you've got to be able to say, hey, okay, time is my most important asset. So therefore, if, if this doesn't work, i got to move on to something else. And yet, I've got to motivate the, the, the people around me because I can't do it all by myself anymore. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like I don't know, I don't know what it is about me. It seems like things take me a little longer. <laughs> you know, like it took me a while to get good at rowing, and it took me a while to get good at my business. So, <laughs> like I started my company in my dorm room in uh, in in business school at Stanford. I bought a business using credit cards, and I lost money on my first five of my first eight deals. Our first fund lost money. And like if you're if you're starting out in private equity and you lose money on your first fund, like you're pretty much out of business. Like there's no way you should <laughs> stick around. And and plus I was 28, and and somehow I was able to raise a second fund and stick around. But really, like the magic was the same thing back to going back to the wrestling, which was like, you know, it, it, I, I just I knew what I knew about myself was I was going to stay with it until we won. And I, I just knew that like there was never there were certainly days where I didn't I wasn't excited or days where I was, you know, woe was me. But there was never a day when I said I'm going to quit, you know, because I knew from the early experiences that I would regret that. And I also knew about myself is that I would, you know, I was someone that would stay with it as long as it took to give you just to give you an idea, though, we lost money on our first fund. It was 14 years into starting Alpine before I actually really thought we were going to stay in business. <laughs> I mean, it was 14 years before I was like, okay, we have a real franchise, you know, a real business. And it was 18 years before we had success in a way that anyone externally would say, okay, you're, you all are really, you know, doing great. You know, that was, that was 18 years. So uh, it, it, it took a long, long time. We are about to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Graham Weaver on the Stadium to Boardroom show. And we're going to ask him, with all of his experiences, with all of the challenges and his his fortuitiveness, is that the right word? To follow through, what does success mean? So back in a few. Would you like to host your own radio program or podcast? Park City Productions 06604 is a Bridgeport, Connecticut-based radio broadcast solutions company. Follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's Park City Productions 06604. Call us at 203-522-8801. It's obvious the unthinkable continues. Most Americans know something very wrong is happening. People in charge keep telling you that everything's fine and to stop noticing. But you know better. That's why self-reliant folks are investing in emergency food storage. And you should, too. My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest emergency preparedness company, are the ones you can trust. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $200 on each three-month food kit you purchase. My Patriot Supply also sells solar generators, gravity-powered water filters, off-grid room heaters for when the power goes out, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your items ship that same day and arrive quickly on your doorstep in unmarked boxes. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com today. Time is running out to prepare for what's coming. MyPatriotSupply.com Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the health insurance helpline can help you get it. We specialize in helping the self-employed and people just like you that need affordable health insurance to get it. We have short and long-term health insurance plans and some even cover dental, vision, and prescription drugs. Don't take a risk with your family family's health insurance, it's not worth it. If you're self-employed or now need affordable health insurance, call right now and learn for free how to get it. Listen, affordable health insurance plans for everyone just like you are a free phone call away. So give us a shout right now. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. 800-670-0946. That's 800-670-0946. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. Walloffire.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com, including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. To your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. We all have heard about the benefits of fish oils, but what about the presence of heavy metals, PCBs, dioxins, furans, and other contaminants found in fatty tissues of fish? GCNteam.com recognizes this risk and offers IFOS certified tested omega-3 fatty acids. EPA, DHA, insist on IFOS omega-3 fatty acid certification. Get the best at GCNteam.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, this is Robert Breeze. Only Breeze. On Stadium to Boardroom Show and with Graham Weaver, who has built Alpine Investors. It's one of the best companies to work. It's winning tons of awards. He talked about before 
failures and not giving up at all. So here's the question. What does the concept of success, after all you've been through, mean to you? You know, that's that's a really great question. And it's a really, I think, a really profound question. And I think there's I think there's like a shallow answer to that question. And there's a there's a, probably a deeper answer to the question. You know, the shallow answer to the question is, at least as relates to Alpine, my, my firm is, um, is that we, you know, we hit the goals that we set out to do. And that's saying something because we set some really aspirational, really high goals for ourselves in terms of our performance. And we hit them, you know? And so I think, I think that's probably like the simple definition of success is, you know, kind of using your imagination to envision a world that doesn't exist. And then, and like really kind of really defining that world in your mind first and saying, this is, this is, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now, this is the vision that we have. It takes a lot of imagination. It actually takes a lot of time to devote to that. So for me personally, I talk to an executive coach every week. Um, our firm has a lot of uh, executive coaching. We have offsites. We do a lot of, you know, big picture brainstorming and we go, we'll go away for three days and really kind of like paint this picture and then, and then bring that, that vision, which seems crazy and aspirational into reality. So that, that's kind of how I would define success in terms of just running, like running a company, you know, can you, can you create a vision that's super exciting that maybe no one's ever done before and then bring it to reality? The, the deeper answer of what defines success is, is a little harder um, because, you know, it's, it's something like the expression, you know, be careful what you wish for because <laughs> it may be yours someday. And then, and then what, you know, and, and I think when you get to the end and you've actually hit some of the goals you've set, you start to realize that, you know, success is a little deeper than, than just that, you know, and it's really like, are you, are you happy with yourself? You know, are you, are you, um, you know, do you, do you, uh, you know, are, do you feel, do you feel good about who, who you've become and, and the, the, the lives you've impacted and, you know, how you've shown up in the world and, 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 you know, what's meaningful to you. And, and I think, I think that's probably been a lot more of my answer as, as I've gotten older is more about, you know, it, it have, have I been happy with the way I've treated people with, you know, the impact I've had on people um, where, where when I'm sitting alone by myself and there's no external validation, there's no awards, there's no nothing. Am I, do I, you know, am I, am I in my true core feel good about, you know, what I've done? And that, that's kind of the real definition. I think when you're, when you're, when you're by yourself with yourself, are you, do you feel good about how you, how you've kind of lived in this life? I mean, can, can I ask you a personal one? I've also been fortunate, okay, that I figure that the harder I work, the luckier I get in, in certain things. But then I felt that that I wanted to give it back to the students. And so in a sense, I started teaching at Babson so that I could give them real-world experiences. And yet I find that by talking to them and, and getting their feedback, they give me new ideas I never thought of before. Does any of that come into what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's um, I, I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to be with the students and sharing this, this whole journey we go on together with them. 
I feel like I need to earn my spot there. Like every single class, every little mini five minute lecture, every guest who comes to class. I mean, I feel like I have to, I have to earn it, you know, and I have, and, and these students are using one of their electives to take my class. And, you know, I, I, I have to have this be something that's going to be really meaningful for them. And, and I could talk a little bit about that too, because I've changed my definition also of what's, I think what's meaningful to them too. Could you just expand a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. So I started my classes on entrepreneurship and <laughs> again, two, yeah, two different classes, but the one, the one that I'm probably best known for is on entrepreneurship. And um, so, so, you know, the first few years I taught, first of all, I didn't know how to teach or anything. So I'm like literally figuring out, okay, this student is, bombing this role play and I got to move on or do I stay with them? Or, you know, I, I didn't, I had to learn all that stuff first, but I was really teaching the X's and O's of entrepreneurship. This is how you hire, this is how you fire, this is how you fundraise and doing this through a case method. But then I realized that, you know, students all have this dream that they want, that they maybe wrote their business school essay on like, Hey, I want to build this business and go do X. And I realized that a really large percentage of them were never doing that. Like they were, they, they, they just weren't like, I don't mean not doing it when they graduate, but I mean, ever. Robert, is it okay they ask one more question? One more, Len. The, the, the people that we have come in to, to my class, okay, we always ask them the same question because the students don't, it, it takes a, almost a whole semester of everybody saying the same thing for, for, for the sink in. I ask them, is there work-life balance? If I so, asked you the same question. Yeah, it, it, that, that's... Gosh, you, you all are asking awesome questions. Another really great question. So, um, in my, in my class, like I, I have a student, I had this, I had this call with a student maybe like a couple of weeks ago and the student was deciding if, if, uh, he wanted to start a, a company. And he said, one of his first questions was, you know, well, am I going to have work-life balance as an entrepreneur? And I say, if that's your first question about being an entrepreneur, I probably wouldn't become one, you know, because that's probably not the thing you're solving for as your first priority, because, you know, in the early days, your, your journey, your, whatever you're building is so fragile. I mean, you blow on it a little too hard and it'll come crumbling down and you have to be ready to have that be your priority. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't, you know, for me, I mean, I was, you know, when I was in town, I tried to be home at six for dinner, went to my kids games and things, but there were also times when, you know, business needed me and I was there and I had to make it work. We, we literally would have gone out of business like 12 different times. So, so I, I think, I, I think over the course of your lifetime, you can have it all. I really do. I just don't think you can have it all at the same time. So like there was a period of my time when all I had three young kids, my business was very, very fragile. And that was it. That was all I did. I did my business and hung out with my kids and like, I kind of drew a line after that. And now my business is a little bit more um, anti-fragile to use Nicholas Tlaib's term. And so, you know, I, I'm able to teach at Stanford. I write a blog. I'm on social media. I do, I, I'm able to do other things and my kids are a little older. And, you know, so I think you can have everything in your life over, over the long period of life, but just while you're in the early stages of starting your business, I think that has to be your, your top priority. Glad you asked that, Len. What a great question. If someone wants to find out about, Alpine investors and possibly work there where they could actually start working in maybe 2037 or something. <laughs> website. Yeah, we're uh, alpineinvestors.com. 
I should have guessed that. Well, anyway, I want to tell you, Graham, what a pleasure it is having you on Stadium to Boardroom. It, it's been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed it. What, a, what an awesome uh, idea for a podcast. That's what it takes. You will hit adversity. You will hit the speed bumps. And as we know, hidden behind the greatest obstacles in life are even greater treasures. I love that. That's a great way to end. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at TeamG'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at TeamG'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. TeamG'day.com. TeamG'day.com. Have you ever watched a video on the internet and found yourself waiting for the skip the ad button? The reason this takes a few seconds is because the video delivery companies get to collect impression commission, and the viewer never sees the advertisement. The company still pays full price to run the ad. Does this sound like a scam to you? Is there any wonder why internet ads are so ineffective? For over 100 years, radio has been a proven source for companies' messages. Radio listeners are engaged and want to support the companies that sponsor the shows they're so passionate about. Simple companies like window treatments, security, pillow companies, and more have been able to break away from the big box stores building multi-million dollar businesses. Find out what radio can do for your business. Call 877-996-4327 or advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com. What if you could cut your heating bills this winter with your existing wood-burning fireplace and not spend thousands doing it? You can with Great Wall of Fire Fireplace Grates. Our U.S. patented, made-in-America Wall of Fire Grates increase fireplace efficiency, eliminate fireplace smoke problems, and come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. See our grates in action and get free shipping from walloffire.com or call 800-274-7364. Fireplace heat without fireplace smoke. walloffire.com I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who help people that have been injured or wronged. If you've been involved in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or injured at work, you have rights and you may be entitled to money for your suffering. Don't accept an offer you get from an insurance company until you talk to a lawyer. And we represent some of the best personal injury lawyers you can find. Tough lawyers that will fight to win your case. And they're so good they stake their reputation on it by only getting paid if you win. So if you've been in a serious car, truck, or motorcycle accident or hurt on the job, find out today for free what kind of compensation you may be entitled to. Call the legal helpline right now. 800-509-4492 800-509-4492 That's 800-509-4492 Let me tell you a story about Bill. Bill was a normal guy in his 50s. He had back surgery about two years ago. Bill was in a lot of pain. He dealt with his pain by taking the Percocets his doctor prescribed for him. Bill took more and more and more of them to help with the pain. Until one day the prescriptions weren't enough to get rid of Bill's pain. Then one day Bill found someone to help him get rid of the pain with illegal drugs he didn't need a prescription for. 
Fast forward to today. Bill lost his job and his family. The only thing he does have is his drug dealer. If you know Bill's story and you don't want to end up like Bill, call the Detox and Treatment Helpline right now to get away and get treatment. 800-296-1327. Call right now. Help is standing by. 800-296-1327. Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie Guy. There's no reason why you shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. And I'm going to give you a free copy of my lecture that tells you exactly how to do it. In fact, after you've lived a long and healthy life, there should be only two documents in your medical chart, a birth certificate and a death certificate. I'm Dr. Wallach with a warning. If you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol, high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, and other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. My free lecture is going to reveal what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in my free lecture called Deadly Recipe. So call toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. Again, that's toll-free 1-855-79-YOUNG. 1-855-79-YOUNG. Hello America, I'm Robert Reese and welcome to the CEO Show. We're here today with Michael Mucci. How are you, Michael? I'm great, Robert. How are you doing today? Great. Very glad to be with you because Michael is the president and CEO of Arcadia. Some of you know the name, some don't, but this is a company that is truly transforming healthcare. So start off, talk about what Arcadia is, then we're going to talk about the challenges and the transformations that are occurring. Happy to. We started Arcadia a decade plus ago with a mission of creating a unified data fabric for the healthcare ecosystem. So what does that mean? When healthcare digitized, implementing electronic health records, entering into value-based payment, exchanging data, we as an industry, we healthcare, generate started to generate one of the largest data sets of any industry. And today, healthcare generates more data than any other industry vertical, 36% more on an annual basis. And Arcadia set out to build one of the most modern data lakehouse platforms to connect all of the disparate data around consumers, where they receive care, the quality and the outcomes related to that care. And we endeavored to turn that data into information that could be used to directly influence how to improve the way we provide care, the way care is paid for, and the way that the healthcare workforce uses information to provide better care to consumers. So let's do a specific example. I know you work with like Intermountain, with um, Cleveland Clinic, with uh, Cigna, uh, Johns Hopkins, a, a lot of the top names. Give me an example of some work you're doing and what is working out, what is not working out. It's a really it's a really interesting problem because on on one side of the equation, all of our work starts the same way, whether you're the Cleveland Clinic or whether you're your federally qualified health center or your Cigna. You have a bunch of different data you need to be you need collected and put together. So um, 
a longtime customer of mine is Beth Israel Leahy uh, in Boston. They have a number of hospitals, and in the community, they have their own employed physicians as well as a number of community docs who have admit rights and are part of their affiliate network. In 2009, when we were starting the business, we said, let's, let's, let's build some piping. Let's build some plumbing between all these disparate sources. How do we help a health system accelerate the rate of cervical cancer screenings or breast cancer screenings that they're administering in their, their eligible population to identify and treat cancer, identify and detect cancer earlier? Um, we have other customers who are using that connectivity to build and train machine learning models to be better at predicting which patients are going to have adverse disease state advancement and trying to get ahead of that by linking that patient up with a care coordinator or a care manager. And you know, further on our, our health plan side of the business and for some of our more advanced integrated delivery health system customers, they use the financial information we're able to source through our partnerships to help identify how they can start to bend the cost curve and reduce the overall cost of care, which is really important to CEOs everywhere because in addition to all being healthcare consumers, a lot of CEOs see that healthcare benefit line item that, that keeps going up and up and up, and they want to they want to meaningfully impact that cost. There are a lot of people in technology and healthcare. I'm sensing you're, uh, you're different than than by far the vast majority. Is there anything you do uniquely that no one else that you know of does? There are a couple of there are a couple of things that we do very uniquely. First, since we started the business, we had a mission and an, or really we had an ethos that any piece of data that we source, our customers should be able to see and interact with. That the market broadly, especially catalyzed by a number of the efforts in Washington has really started to move in that direction, but that's always been a big differentiator. Everything that I have access to, my customers do, and that's really important because data transparency is is critical, especially today when a lot of us are building new machine learning or AI algorithms, being able to expose what's training those those models is really critical. We also have always taken a stance that while our mission is about creating this unified fabric for health, we exist to serve humankind, and that that cascades through the ethos of my team, which is if you look at the last hundred years in healthcare, the global community has done an excellent job at increasing lifespan. But we've done a, a mediocre to poor job at expanding health span. So the number of, of healthy years we all enjoy, the proportion of people living in moderate to poor health today is about the same as it was 50 years ago. And so our purpose through building this unified fabric by creating these insights is really to help people live healthier, longer lives so that you can enjoy that expanded lifespan, not just have a longer life. And a really good example of that is, you know, last year across all of my customers, we saw our customers uh, as a whole execute about 10 million breast cancer screenings. And if you just make an assumption that we helped our customers improve the rate of breast cancer screening by 1%, we, we increased the screenings um, you know, maybe maybe 250,000, 300,000 additional screenings that wouldn't have happened because we surfaced patients who needed a screening. And you look at the number of lives saved by early detection, you can directly say that we probably helped save 50 lives, which is really impactful. And I think that that's what motivates 
my team. And so when getting back to your question of what do we do that's unique is we connect these big technology solutions. I've got this really, really top of market engineering team that's focused on building high performance, horizontally scalable lake house applications using technology that goes way over my head these days. But we marry with that the people who understand how to use that. You know, my my customer doesn't really care that I'm using Apache hoodie for my lake house. What they care is that I'm able to get them that insight that that patient needs screening or that they're in the ER and they need help or support as quickly as possible. And that's enabled by my great technology. But the fact that we can combine great technology with the healthcare know-how makes us very special. It's, it's really interesting because you have this uniqueness in a sense of building this unified fabric. And in doing that, the applications are countless. They could be towards costs. They could be towards clinical outcomes. You could work in partnerships with people. That's exactly right. I mean, a great example, you know, what I love about the customers that we serve is that a lot of them are academic health systems or academic medical centers. And so you have some of the best heritage uh, academic institutions who are delivering healthcare, and they come and they'll have these great ideas. I was at I was at one of my customers. They're a they're a, an Ivy League backed academic institution, and we were around a table on Tuesday talking about building and training advanced learning models for early detection of patients who needed social support. And they had this giant research team that was combi- compiling a data set, a data set that I don't have that arguably none of my competitors have. And they want to bring that to us and co-develop a new stratification algorithm that can really meaningfully impact the outcomes of their population. And so what's what's been really fun is is collaborating with customers and partnering with them to build innovative solutions that aren't just the product of my product team's brains, but really the product of this community of innovators that we've we've built the business around. Let's talk about really what your vision for healthcare will be. And you, you talked about something very interesting. You talked about pressure and you gave an analogy with what happens in a pressure situation. And then with your vision, with the pressure coming on the one hand, with your vision on the other, what is the role that Arcadia will play in driving forward success and elevating healthcare, the economy, and society? Big question. I think there's there's three components that that I can I can opine on to answer that question. The first is my desire is that Arcadia helps usher in more adoption of new technology, faster adoption of new technology, and better insights and faster insights for providers and those who surround providers in healthcare. The idea being unburdening the the ecosystem to allow everyone in a healthcare delivery system or a payer to work at the top of their license. And we talk a lot about top of license work in in healthcare to really, historically, really being about licensed or credentialed providers. But really, if you're a CIO of a major health system, you have a lot of customers, and a lot of your team is executing moderate to low-value tasks that we now have the technology to automate, drive workforce satisfaction, and provide a much more effective work product. So I think on, on pillar one, it's how do we help the healthcare system work more effectively through greater adoption of technology? 
And in healthcare, it's really hard to adopt technology. So how do we help accelerate that adoption? I think the second the second big pillar, and this is I'm, I'm really excited that the the U.S. federal government, as well as many state governments, are backing this. We really want to improve information liquidity. Okay, we are about to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how this impacts the workforce of the future in healthcare specifically. Back in a few. I had no idea it would destroy my life. But before it happened, I had a successful business in Austin, Texas. Everyone laughed at me when I shut that business down, but I could not ignore the wake-up call. I was volunteering on a project to get locally grown food into a school. That project was a complete failure, and I discovered that there were few local farmers, there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores, and everything comes 1,500 miles via a just-in-time trucking system. I lost friends and family who told me I was crazy to worry about that, but I kept at it. I'm Marjorie Wildcraft. Those of us who know what's going on in the world know you need to become self-reliant before the dollar collapses. I've created a free webinar at GCNfood.com. I can show you, like I've shown hundreds of thousands of people, how to grow lots of food, even if you have no experience, you're older, or you're out of shape. Do it now, before the stores are boarded up and food is not available at any price. Go to GCNfood.com. GCNfood.com. Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call them toll-free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there. G'day, I'm Jamel that works with Dr. Joel Wallach and the GCN team with Longevity at teamg'day.com. By becoming an associate, you provide income for you and your family on your own hours while working from home. So contact me, Jamel, by filling in the contact box at teamg'day.com and I will get back to you personally and provide all the support you need to get started and build your longevity business. Teamg'day.com. Teamg'day.com. Wellness and self-care doesn't have to be complicated. So keep it simple and take good care of yourself with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Our heating pads soothe pains in the neck, back, and shoulders while relaxing muscles and increasing blood circulation. Sunny Bay Heating Pads have always been made in the USA and hand-filled to perfection with the highest quality materials. Sunny Bay Heating Pads are the perfect wellness gift for loved ones or yourself. See all of our high-quality products at sunny-bay.com including heated body pads, neck pillows, heated neck and body wraps, and our stress-reducing lavender line. They're all affordable, durable, and in stock now and ready for immediate shipping direct from sunny-bay.com. Read our trusted, authentic, and real reviews at sunny-bay.com or just search for Sunny Bay Heating Pad. 
to your good health and wellness from Sunny Bay. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system. And it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit shopsupertea.com. The first word is shop, spelled S-H-O-P, then the word super, and then the word tea. The complete website is shopsupertea.com or call us at 818-984-6100 Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-984-6100. ShopSuperTea.com. Hi, this is Robert Reese on the CEO Show, where we interview the CEOs who have reinvented the fabric of America we're talking with Michael Mucci, who's president and CEO of Arcadia, and they have this unique model of, of building the whole, in a sense, infrastructure and fabric of data and connectivity. So we know that there are major changes in hybrid workforce, and no one is really sure where it's going, but that clearly has a big potential on healthcare. How is what you're doing impacting that, and what is your vision for where that could go? The challenge that every executive is is navigating with hybrid workforce is exacerbated in healthcare. The pandemic was was a really interesting, pivotal moment for the U.S. healthcare ecosystem. For a decade, we have been flirting with virtual care models, telemedicine, the AI-assisted uh, whether it's weight loss or row or any of these kind of startup patient support uh, apps have been starting to permeate the healthcare ecosystem from the edges. But then all of a sudden, the world shut down, everyone works from home, and everyone is taking their primary care visits from the comfort of their living room on their tablet, their computer, their iPad. And that was this this catalyst that the the virtual care companies have been looking for. Granted, no one wanted a pandemic, but everyone was looking for the spark that got mass adoption. And now as we exit the pandemic, you're seeing this renormalization. And what's interesting in our data is that you're seeing that at the same time, in-person utilization of healthcare is increasing again. You are still seeing high levels of adoption of virtual care tools because people have realized the convenience. It's the same corollary to the hybrid workforce. We have an office in Boston and We've downsized a bit because we don't have as many people going in, but our our employee surveys are pretty clear. People want a place that they can go and congregate. They don't want to be there necessarily eight hours a day, but they're not comfortable not having 
that congregation space. And so what we've had to invest in as a business, very similar to what healthcare's had to invest in from an infrastructure perspective, is the infrastructure and tools to allow us to operate in that hybrid environment and the change management and culture around how do you how do you operate in that environment. You know, as an example, if we have a if we have a, a staff meeting, whether it's a leadership meeting or or uh, or a senior management team meeting, and it's a hybrid meeting, everyone has to have their cameras on. Whether you're in the room, you've got your tablet or your computer in front of you with a camera on, as well as the folks who are remote, because we don't want folks to feel left out. And I think we're seeing a similar transformation in the healthcare ecosystem where you have consumers who are selecting that they want to receive the majority of their primary care virtually. And they want to drive down the street to a freestanding lab to get their labs done and only go in and pay for parking and deal with you know the waiting in the waiting room if they really need to see someone. And so I think you see a very similar need for infrastructure and change management but it's interesting. It's not a problem that's just solved with infrastructure because you do need the cultural evolution to accompany that change. You know, I was speaking with a CEO the other day who said, well, we, we don't see it at, as um, artificial intelligence. We see it as augmented intelligence because really, if you don't start with the human, everything goes awry. But there's enormous potential and probably geometric growth, also significant challenges. You're at the center of this. What's your take on what should happen? It's a really timely question. We just rolled out enterprise access to one of the GPT tools. My chief technology officer and I were out in Las Vegas at Amazon's reInvent conference, and they did an audience poll. How many, it was an executive forum. They said, how many executives have banned the use of ChatGPT or Claude because they're concerned about any number of, of different concerns, and about half the half the room raised their hands. We've taken the opposite approach. You need to be able to control and put in place controls to mitigate risk as much as possible, because you can never mitigate all risk. But for us, we want all of our employees to have access to these tools. It's just like when we moved to the cloud 10 years ago. Some of our folks were really nervous about shutting down our data center and having to learn in this case, AWS's native technologies. And fast forward 10 years, I have a workforce full of people who've collected AWS certifications like badges, and it's helped not only make us more effective and more efficient, it's helped them advance their careers. And so we see this as both an investment in the future workforce, but also an investment in productivity. But just like the remote working conversation we had just a moment ago, these tools are just pieces of technology. If you don't enable the workforce, train them, teach them how to use it, they're not going to. As an example, I, I was using ChatGPT to, to build a meeting agenda for a meeting I have tomorrow. Put in a couple of prompts that I'm a CEO. I'm having a meeting with senior executives from one of my customers. We want to talk about the year in review. We want to talk about our roadmap. And we want to spend 30 minutes having a brainstorming discussion. And the, the GPT suggested that at the end of the meeting on the agenda, we have mutual accolades and gratitude and applause. Well, of course, we're not going to have mutual accolades and applause at the end of the meeting. So you edit it, you review it. and But it saved me, you know, 20 minutes because I was able to put raw notes into it and spit it out. Uh, so I think that we, we, we live in a really interesting moment where these tools can greatly accelerate. But you have to have a lot of thought on how to use them productively. It's just like healthcare. These models are really powerful. They can help physicians get back to providing more direct patient care, reducing data entry burden. 
But if you don't check the output, there is there is real risk. There was that that lawyer who was using a GPT to write opinions, and it was made up really beautiful prose reference case law that didn't exist because they they hallucinate their the models want the user to be satisfied and so they need the appropriate checks and balances around them it's it's a great great point one of the hardest things about healthcare everyone has that story about someone in their family who had to go from one hospital to the other and they're lugging like a backpack or a manila folder or a paper grocery bag full of medical records I, I had a I had an encounter with our healthcare system last summer, and I needed a copy of a of a of a CT scan, and I was toting it around on a CD, and I don't I didn't know how to how to use the CD. I don't have a piece of technology that has a CD drive anymore. But that was how I was getting a scan from one from a hospital to a specialist, and it's twenty twenty four effectively. Like we we don't need to do that. So how do you improve digital liquidity of information to reduce caregiver frustration, patient frustration, and ultimately reduce cost. Because the answer to a lot of that, if you can't get that scan, is do it again. And that's just waste. Uh, There you have it, Michael. I'm really impressed with what you're doing. And I think this hits upon the future of of business and of healthcare. What is your website if anyone um, in healthcare, and almost all CEOs I know, they're involved in, in hospital boards, however they are. It's one of the major pieces of their P&L. What's the website they could go to? Folks can find out more information about Arcadia at www.arcadia.io. There you have it. Great having you on the CEO Show, Michael. Thank you, Robert. Who listens to radio at night? EMTs, truck drivers, law enforcement, and many other hard-working people just like you, buying products and services from companies just like yours. Many companies owe their success to radio. It's the engaging medium. Call 877-996-4327 or email advertise at GCNlive.com. That's advertise at GCNlive.com.